Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Great to have you here on this podcast of the Clark Howard Show. And I want to tell you something. The minimum wage is something that I had to look up to see what the federal minimum wage was. Do you know it's $7.25 an hour? And I didn't even know that because it's become increasingly irrelevant. As you drive around most urban and suburban areas, you'll see signs now hiring and it'll say starting at whatever number of dollars per hour. And nobody's talking about being at $7.25 an hour. The federal minimum wage, the idea of it, just so you know, was originally about uh, giving people a wage that would keep them out of poverty. But in recent years, it has nothing to do with that. It's just a marker that is the minimum theoretical amount per hour. Well, as I shared with you back in November, you have state after state where citizens given a vote without exception have chosen in states that allow ballot initiatives to raise the minimum wage and the public consensus is very strongly towards raising the wage and the move is really clear with the whole concept of $15 an hour a lot of retailers a lot of grocery sellers going to 15 an hour as their minimum pay uh, the german fast-growing german supermarket chain lidl has recently started at 15 an hour which was a big increase from what they were paying to people and so the marketplace is moving that way state voters are moving that way and do you know that 20 states raised their minimum wages this year and a number of states are doing graduated increases again to that theoretical $15 an hour. I remember when this all started, and my, my, my memory serves me right, the big push up in the minimum wage started in SeaTac. If you're familiar with what SeaTac is, SeaTac uh, is the name that everybody uses for the airport for Seattle that is mostly towards Tacoma, but kind of towards Seattle, and they just call it SeaTac. And the area right there is called SeaTac. And in a move at the time that people said would lead to massive unemployment, there was a big push to a very high minimum wage at SeaTac, and that was really the kickoff of what's happened around the country. And so it did not lead to any increase in unemployment the economic theory is that it would and actually it does shift employment a lot of jobs that exist go away you think about in fast food restaurants 
as I shared with you a good 10 years ago from traveling overseas in countries that had high uh, their, their equivalent of a high minimum wage, you could not order from a human. You could only order from a computer screen, a touch screen. And as minimum wages go up, you see that happen. But even with that, fast food outfits are always looking for new workers because of turnover. So it shifts the nature of work. And I historically have been opposed to uh, government-imposed minimum wages. And I realized a while back that this was an area that I was wrong on and that we were putting people in a position where they could not deal with life's daily expenses and that having a higher minimum wage was something that my classic libertarian kind of thinking, I was just wrong. And so this is a move that will continue. It puts pressure on employers and a lot of job classifications as they see their labor costs rise. No doubt that puts pressure on the profitability of a lot of small businesses. But it is something that is clearly going to happen as voters in red states and blue states unanimously, given a choice and a chance, vote in increases in their state minimum wages. And I think there's a really good chance in 21 that we'll see an increase in the federal minimum wage adopted that will phase in over a number of years. And I want to remind you that coming up later, we're going to have Clark Stinks. And I mention that because talking about the minimum wage always generates a lot of Clark Stinks. It's where you feel that I've been out of line, and that's coming up for you. But right now, your questions. Okay, Clark. Barbara in Florida says, it used to be when shopping online, I'd give my credit card number an expiration date. But lately, everyone wants the CVV, CVC on the back. Why? So here's the story. When you do a transaction that's what's known as card not present, the liability if that card is used fraudulently passes from the bank or credit union to the retailer, whoever you're buying from. Now as we're doing more and more shopping online, having that three-digit code for Visa, MasterCard, Discover, four-digit code for American Express gives merchants what they feel is an additional layer of protection against fraudulent transactions. There are a number of ways a criminal may obtain your credit card number and your expiration date on your card, but they may not also be able to obtain that three-digit or four-digit code. So that's why the retailers ask for it, to protect themselves as much as they can from chargebacks due to fraudulent activity. Now, here's the reality. We need to have the ability with apps on iPhones and Androids to have a more secure way to transmit payments for transactions like we can now do in person in stores using Apple Pay or Android Pay. Or they call it Android or Google Pay, whatever, Google Pay now. That those are more secure platforms we need some kind of equivalent for people purchasing things online to reduce the amount of online credit and debit card fraud. And while I mentioned debit card, know that it is far more dangerous for you to use a debit card shopping online than a credit card for any of a number of reasons, including the rights that you give up 
and the potential loss of your money for a meaningful period of time if a criminal does get access to your number. Joel? Clark Mary in New Mexico says, My husband turns 65 next year. He's covered on my medical, dental, prescription, and vision insurance through my employer. We've been told that if he doesn't sign up for Medicare when he turns 65, he will lose his ability to do so at a later date. What do we have to do exactly to ensure that he can sign up for Medicare later and still be covered by my insurance in the near term? Okay, so what your husband does is three months out before his 65th birthday, he applies for Medicare Part A. That is free, and that is the, I guess, what you'd call original Medicare. The additional parts of Medicare, Medicare Part B, Medicare Part D, which is the prescription drugs, and owning a Medigap policy, which covers things that Medicare does not cover, those things he does not have to buy when he turns 65 if you work for a larger employer. If you work for a larger employer and you cover him as a dependent, he then gets a waiver from the late penalties that he would be assessed for not having applied for Medicare Part B, D, or a Medigap at or soon after turning age 65. So there are clear definitions that are available at Medicare.gov. They're actually clear, not, not typical government gobbledygook, which you can read through or he can read through to make sure that he qualifies for having traditional health coverage if what he has through you qualifies that he would not get hurt at all delaying the start of Medicare BD and Medigap. So read that. If you don't understand it, what you're reading, that's really important to get a clear understanding. And if you work for a larger employer, they'll be able to tell you there's a particular form they have to issue to your husband at the point you're no longer working there that will give him like the get out of jail free card for going on the BD and Medigap later, uh, they'll be able to let you know if their firm's coverage qualifies for that letter. I appreciate you so much tuning into our podcast. If you just kind of found your way here and you like it and you want to subscribe, so easy for you right here, right now to join us regularly. And next, Clark Stinks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for Clark Stinks, and this is something that I absolutely love that we do as part of our podcast. It's where you give me feedback when you think I've given incomplete information, inaccurate information, or you don't like the answer I gave to someone's question. And so Krista and Joel are going to alternate with things they found at Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. 
We have a winner, Clark. The number one question asked on Clark Stinks over the last many weeks was about one phone call. Clark, someone was asking about using a tax software CD on a Chromebook, and you didn't mention that external USB plug-in CD drives are available for much cheaper than a $200 Windows laptop you recommended. It sounded like online tax websites would be the best solution anyway, but for your listeners to know these external hard drives are an option would be very helpful. Tom. Tom, thank you. Okay, so as... The man from Chromebook, I must confess to you, I never knew that you could plug in an external hard drive into the USB of a Chromebook. It never, ever occurred to me because I do everything on my Chromebook using web-based software. And I just got to tell you, I was out to lunch and I appreciate that. Krista, how many people posted that? I lost count. I mean, <laughs> so many. So I, I classify myself now as a techno idiot on that. A Chromebook no, you idiot. Just, you learn something new every day, and today you learn that. It's great. Joel? All right, Clark. A woman called in asking about rating her retirement funds to get a 20% down payment on a home. Clark spent a lot of time explaining the complexities of withdrawing the money, switching brokerages, and returning the money later. Why? The advice should have simply been to not do this, especially since a 20% down payment is unnecessary. Michael. Michael, thank you for that. And there are times I will get stuck in the weeds. Uh, You know, it seemed like she was pretty determined to pull the money from the retirement plan. And you know I'm not a fan of that, just as you obviously are not. And doing a lower down payment and doing like an 80-10-10 or an 80-15-5 where you can avoid private mortgage insurance or even just doing a smaller down payment or an FHA loan where you have the MIP or the PMI uh, that would be preferable in almost all cases to rating a retirement account and I'm guilty as charged. Krista? Max wrote it and said, Clark advised a listener to drop her travel airline cards because she didn't travel that much. I think Clark is missing one important element. I have two airline credit cards and each charges me an annual fee of $95. Prior to the pandemic, my wife and I would take at least one trip on one airline and two or three on the other. We are not like Clark who takes his clothing on the plane in black garbage bags. We check our bags. (laughs) The saved cost of checking the bags far outweighs the cost of the fee. I think Clark shouldn't assume that no one checks their bags. So uh, my daughter always checks bags, and it just drives me to distraction that she does that. But that's what she prefers to do. And there are other people who obviously like to check a bag. And so having an airline card that gets you the free baggage allowance can really pay off. That is true, uh, particularly for family groups where you're allowed typically with these airline cards, one free check bag per person for up to six or eight people per reservation. And that math absolutely would pay off. Or you just fly Southwest Airlines and bags fly free, two bags every flight. And that's the easiest way 
to avoid baggage charges and not have to jump through hoops like having an airline card. On the thing with the black trash bag, uh, let me explain. So whenever I fly uh, on Spirit, Frontier, or Allegiant, I always have a trash bag with me. If they say my personal item is too large, I saw somebody do this years ago at a Spirit gate, and so I always take with me a black or, or white trash bag where I can dump my stuff into it, and then I'll be able to take that on as a personal item, and I abandon my micro carry-on at the gate if they've rejected it, rather than paying the huge at-the-gate baggage charge that Spirit, Frontier, and Allegiant charge. It's a true story. Joel? (laughs) All right, uh, Clark, this one is from Anonymous, and they say, I'm wondering what was up with you recommending the Target red card. One day you're recommending getting it, saying that it can be tied to your checking or uh, debit card, uh, or getting $40 back when you get the credit card. Then the next day you're saying that all store cards are evil, so what gives? That is such a wonderful and valid point. So uh, I don't like store cards truth and i also don't like tying into your checking account also true so you always have to weigh the hazard versus the benefit in the case of the target red card the benefits are so great that it's worth the hazard the risk that comes with it because with that card you get five percent off on all your shopping and there are circumstances where you get free delivery where you would not otherwise. So the Target red card is an exception to my rules that seem like I'm turning a blind eye and being hypocritical. It's just that the advantage is so good. Another example I'll give is, you know, how you always hear me talk about gift cards as trash. But then in turn, I'll talk about a gift card where you get a bonus 20 or $30 against your purchase so you buy a hundred dollars you get hundred and twenty dollars worth of whatever that's a case where the hazard of a store or restaurant going bust or whatever is outweighed by the enormous additional value you get turning your real american money into fake money good only at that store or restaurant so it's worth the risk for the reward a gift card anytime that's dollar for dollar Uh, where you take your good American cash, good anywhere, and turn it into a card that's only good at one place, that's a lousy deal and you shouldn't do it. So, yeah, there is some hypocrisy in it, but there's a reasonable explanation, which makes me sound like a politician, doesn't it? Krista? Clark, your professed love for Tesla cars is so misplaced for a consumer advocate. Cars are appliances and not an object of love. Get me from point A to point B with the least amount of dollars. If you want to fall in love with a work of art, go to the museum. Thanks, Dave. Dave, I'm guilty here, 100%. I love that car. I have never cared about a car in my life other than my used Scion XB I bought. Uh, back in 2005 or six, and I still miss that Scion XB. Uh, if you know what that is, that was the one they called the toaster, and I bought it used for like no money and drove it for nine years, 
And to me, that's the way to buy a vehicle that you buy a rolling appliance. But the Tesla is just, I can't even describe it. It's like no experience I've ever had that every day I get in that, my Tesla and it feels like it's my birthday. It's that special. And I know that's weird for somebody who's not into vehicles, but you probably haven't driven a Tesla. Once you do, you'll get it. Well, you won't necessarily buy it, but you'll understand it. Krista, do you want to confess your situation? No, I mean, you have mentioned it. I did buy Model Y, and I love it. And you have never been a no, car person at all. Never. My husband was like anti Tesla until he we actually I blame you we borrowed one of your we borrowed your your model three for a little while and uh, we both fell totally in love and now he's obsessed so that's the thing is that it is a completely different kind of experience than anything you've ever driven ever and it's a look-see into the future of the automotive business I mean, at least it's not a Porsche Taycan. What are those? 200000 for that electric vehicle? Joel? All right, Clark. A bit of advice you gave a listener recently stinks worse than your Falcons after dying and roasting in the hot Atlanta sun. Oh, she mentioned Falcons. she ran up credit card debt to the tune of $14,409. She asked what 0% credit card she should get to fix her mess, and you obliged. Clark? This woman can obviously not control her spending, and advising her to get another card to fix this problem is like advising a gambling addict on which surefire bet to make to get out of gambling debt. The only advice you should have given her was to cut up the card, pay off her debt, and never touch credit cards again. Josh. Josh, thank you. And yes, you're right. It's like giving someone who has a drinking problem a fifth of whiskey. But the thing is, if somebody comes to me who seems determined to tackle their balance and their credit worthy of being able to qualify for a 0% balance transfer or something like that, I think it makes their determination to pay off the balance far more successful because every dollar they're paying during that countdown period of 0% is 100% going to the balance. And having the countdown, if somebody gets zero uh, percent for 18 months with a balance transfer it puts them on a strict clock of paying down that balance in that 18 months and i think that's a very valuable thing you are right many times people will take out a new form of debt supposedly to try to help themselves and then they charge up the old forms of debt that they've now freed up in that case i've made their situation only worse And I appreciate all your posts on Clark Stinks. And remember, every week you get to set me straight, give me guidance, let me know where I missed part of the story. And I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you going to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks.